We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the inaugural Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast, sponsored by our good pals over at BetMGM. I am Nick Whalen, pleased to be joined uh, by my longtime colleague, longtime friend, John McKechnie. Jonathan, it is, uh, it's been a long time coming, getting this pod off the ground. We want to thank BetMGM for partnering with us this season. Uh, really can't wait to dive into football betting every single week. We're going to hit a ton of angles. We'll, we'll try to get you, you know, props. We'll, we'll identify some lines that we like, lines that we don't like. Maybe mix in some survivor talk and uh, you know, maybe even tack on some college football uh, mm. at the end of the pod. But man, I'm, I'm thrilled to be working with you. You and I have done a, a ton of podcasts together over the years. Um, you know, I, I've kind of traditionally been on the basketball side with Rotowire, doing a lot more football this year. Uh, but you're you know, our, our sports betting guru. I believe guru is your official title, correct? Uh, yes, I was ordained, uh, the guru. Um, and, and so, you know, it's official now, you know, it, I think that there can be no doubt. Uh, and if you fo- follow me on Twitter, if you follow my gambling picks, you, you know, that the guru status is, uh, absolutely confirmed. So, so yes, uh, good intro there. And, and, you know, the feeling is mutual, sir. Uh, you know, we, we've done tons of the real roto heads out there. Uh, know, know about the college football pod and all that good stuff. And, you know, I've come on your XM show a decent bit since you've ta- taken over the driver's seat mm-hmm. over there on Roto Sirius XM. And uh, yeah, no, I think that th- this is a power couple uh, in, in the Rotowire uh, umbrella. So I'm, I'm excited that, that we got this going again. And, you know, week one is, is here. And, you know, this is going to be a really fun season, a really fun project. I think I'm as hyped up for this NFL season as any NFL season since probably like 1999 when the Jaguars went 15 and one. And as a seven-year-old, I was, you know, rooting uh, fervently from my, my parents' living room in, in Northern Wisconsin, but uh, it's just going to be, it's going to be an awesome year. I, I feel like we have so many stacked teams. There's not that many teams that are kind of sitting at the bottom of the league who you're not that interested in. And, and even those teams, you know, like Atlanta, Houston, the Jets, like they all have interesting players, super fun, you know, first, second year guys, to follow so I, I think we're positioned very well uh for a fun nfl season real quickly i, I don't want to do like 10 minutes on who we are and what our backgrounds are nobody really cares we'll get to the betting talk uh very shortly but um i think we should at least identify our our sports allegiances 
Uh, so I will allow you to go first. Which team do you root for? You know, who are your all-time favorites? Uh, things like that. So I am from Maryland. I'm from uh, the D.C. area, but my dad is a Baltimore native. And so I was raised a Baltimore sports fan, and, and that's uh, where I lean to this very day. I'm cur currently just totally wrapped up in this Orioles season that's come completely out of nowhere and, and uh, a surprise to, to nobody. Based on that, I'm also a huge Ravens fan. My dad and I went to Super Bowl 47 down in New Orleans oh, 10 years ago now. That is a awful sentence. To It felt terrible coming out, but uh, no, the passage of time, uh, it's wild. Um, but yes, so there, there's that, huge Ravens fan. And then I'm a graduate of the University of Georgia, went to a big Southern school, uh, an old carpet bagger move to to just go to a big southern school for, from up in Maryland, but hey, that's what I did, and uh, glad that I did. And then I moved down to Atlanta after uh, living in Madison, Wisconsin, where Rotowire HQ is uh, last summer, and uh, that was a good time to be down here because not only did the Braves break their little curse, but Georgia also broke their forty-year uh, curse of not winning a national championship. And I was in the house for that one too, up in Indianapolis. So, uh, it's been a good little run for me lately, but, um, you know, I'm, we'll, we'll, we'll unpack my, my neurosis as it comes to the Ravens for, for this upcoming season. But, but those are, uh, that that's where I lean as far as my sports allegiances go. Yeah. You are kind of a carpet bagger now that I think about it. That's actually <laughs> yeah, a, really a term to pull out. You know, I, I went to the university of Wisconsin and people like you, we would refer to as coasties. Mm -hmm. uh, at UW, you know, infiltrating the campus from from either the West or the East Coast. But um, yeah, I, I am from Green Bay and yet somehow raised myself as a Jaguars fan. Uh, my, my parents were not pushy enough, I guess, about the Packers. And yeah, it's been a, a lifelong affliction. It's been something that I've dealt with now for 30 years. Uh, but I, I do find myself, you know, kind of seeping into Packers fandom year after year. It's a, a lot more accessible for me living here in Milwaukee to get to a few Packers games every year than it is to, you know, head down to the, the motherland in Jacksonville uh, and get to those games. And obviously the Packers just being a, you know, hundred times better product than the Jags for the last 10 years has, has helped with that as well. But um, enough about us. Let's get into week one. Uh, but I, I want to start with a segment that we're going to call, you know, too high or too low. And we're just looking at the lines for all these games for week one. And I want you to tell me, uh, you know, one, two, three lines that, you look at right now on BetMGM, and they just feel a little too big. So I'll lead us off here, and and you know it dovetails nicely with what I was just talking about. I feel like it's hard to trust the Ravens' seven-point favorites in this one. They are on the road. Uh, they they are going up against a Jets team that that's not going to have Zach Wilson. Obviously, they you know their old familiar pal Joe Flacco on the other sideline uh, now now quarterbacking the Jets. But this is a Ravens team that's really, really deeply flawed. And I guess we'll see the extent to which uh, the, those flaws are going to hurt them because the Jets are obviously one of the one of the worst teams, or at least expected to be one of the worst teams in football this year. Um, but the Ravens, you come into the year with only really Mark Andrews as your only proven pass catcher. You trade away Marquise Brown. Uh, JK, or you would think that you know, because of that, they're going to be a real run heavy team. And you know, it makes sense with Lamar Jackson. You want to get the most out of that. But you got Ronnie Stanley still working his way back from that injury that happened, you know, coming up on two years ago now. So he's not at full strength. J.K. Dobbins still uncertain on him and how he's going to look in week one if he's out there. And then, you know, I think the rest of it is just a lot of question marks. So 
I don't know if the Ravens overcome all of that to, to cover emphatically. I know that John Harbaugh has a really impressive week one record that I think other than last year that they hadn't lost a week one game in quite some time. I think like back to 2016, something like that. Uh, it's not quite their preseason uh, record or anything, but uh, usually they're pretty good week one. This year, I'm not necessarily buying it, not by more than a touchdown. So the Ravens stand out to me as a little bit too high to, to start things off. Uh, your thoughts there? You know, I you're inherently skeptical of any big line uh, of any team on the road, but I, I think you kind of have to put that behind you a little bit in this very unique week one that features so many road favorites. I mean, we have 10 road favorites uh, this week, and you know the Ravens, of course, are one of them. I, I'm not, I, I don't really understand where your skepticism comes from. It might just be, you know, the, the kind of inherent pessimism that any fan uh, who follows a team closely develops uh, over sure. a number of years. But you do know that you're playing the Jets and you're playing Joe Flacco, right? So I, <laughs> I think this line could be higher, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think if the game was in Baltimore, you'd probably feel a little more confidently about it. I, I will say um, I would feel better about this game if it was Zach Wilson under center for the Jets. And now I don't know what that, what that says about the future of that franchise, but there, there's just some, there's some like kind of craziness element that, you know, with Joe Flacco going up against his old team, I, I feel like you have to account for like the 5% chance that he just goes wild uh, against this Ravens defense. And, um, you know, I, I think I'll end up, you know, probably tailing the Ravens in this game. I, I don't think the line is, is ultimately too big. I, I'm pretty down on the Jets. Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm surprised you're as skeptical as you are uh, of this Ravens team. And, you know, you brought up a good note, like John Harbaugh, you know, he's, he's 10 and four in season openers since taking over. And if you throw out last year's, you know, kind of weird uh, loss to the Raiders on the road, that was one where, where, you know, Las Vegas stormed back and, and kind of took that one from Baltimore. They had won their previous three openers, 144 to 19. So this mm-hmm. is a team that, that typically comes out strong. No, it, it really is. So that like, I, I think you're raising tons of good points there. And, you know, uh, you look at Joe Flacco, you just see a spiteful individual, right? No. <laughs> so no, he's obviously going to go off, but um, no, to, to your point, that that's absolutely true. And, and yeah, that it was a tough situation to walk into last year because obviously the Raiders opened uh, the 2020 season in that new stadium, but they didn't get any fans in there. So last year was the first time that there were fans in the stands. I actually looked at tickets for for that game, and it was comparable to what I got into the Super Bowl for, uh, you know, a decade ago. So like it was uh, pandemonium in, in Las Vegas that uh, last year for that game. But yeah, bo- bottom line, I just think it's a little bit too rich for my blood. But we're about to see the real test here mm-hmm. is not so much the Ravens. It's just like how bad are the Jets, or how much are they going to improve in year two under Robert Sala. Other lines that I, that I thought were a smidge too high. I'm really sour on the Titans this year. I think that they, they're the obvious team that that made the postseason a year ago that I, I could see uh, definitely missing out this time around. Again, that you know the Giants probably. Uh, I'm not. It's not that I'm necessarily overrating them. I might be overweighting my pessimism on the Titans, but I think that there, there's just the drop off with no AJ Brown. Uh, this offense just really doesn't have a lot of explosive playmakers now other than Derrick Henry. If the Giants can slow Derrick Henry, they keep this closer to a field goal, in my opinion. So I, I think that the five and a half, a little bit too high for me. And then uh, we see that the Chiefs, that line has exploded uh, and it, it could get even higher as, as the weekend progresses. And, you know, Rondale Moore uh, dealing with a hamstring and everything like that now on top of Hopkins being out. 
I don't know, you know, I don't know if the Cardinals are going to be competitive in this one, but you know, this is a line that was three and a half all summer in favor of the Chiefs, and now it's six. Yeah, I mean it, that Chiefs line jumped, I think, a point and a half just in the last twenty-four hours. So, you know, there there is that, that that is one to me that's getting a little iffy. It's getting in that zone in Kansas City. You know, yet another team that we like, but they're playing on the road. Um, one of several big road favorites in Week One, and that always does make you think twice. I'm with you on the Titans. I, I almost put them on my list. Uh, I, I think to me, this game is very similar to the Philly at Detroit game where there's, mm. there's, you know, I, I believe that the Titans are better than the giants. If this game was in Tennessee, you know, I, I would feel a lot more comfortable, much like I would Philly and Detroit. Um, but yeah, I, I think this should probably be closer to Titans four and a half Titans four. I think there's enough doubt uh, with what this Titans team, uh, you know, the attrition that they've had on that roster. But at the same time, I also think that, you know, Mike Vrabel is is kind of in like the early stages of his like Mike Tomlin run where the Titans have just become that team where, you know, it doesn't seem to matter who's injured or how much you like the roster or how much you like the quarterback. They've just found ways to win a ton of games over the last couple of years. And I think they're getting um, you know, kind of some inherent trust here uh, from the odds makers. So um, I think those are all good calls by you. I, I put the Carolina Panthers on my list and you know it's not often that you're you're going to look at a line that's minus one and a half and be like man that's just way too big but i'm not sure the panthers should be favored in this game i i know at some books it's a pick them um i i think maybe it'll move toward that way on bet mgm uh as we get closer to kickoff but i, I don't know man it, it, it you really have to have faith i think in in baker mayfield or you really have to believe that the the presence of a healthy christian mccaffrey completely transforms this panthers team that was just not very good for 90% of last season. And obviously the Browns have their own issues. Uh, but I, I think if the Browns, if they play this game really conservatively and keep the ball on the ground, you know, limit Jacoby Brissett's opportunities to make mistakes. Um, I, I think they have a really good chance to, to come out of here with what's ultimately an ugly win, but a road win without your quarterback, nonetheless. No, that, yeah, that's a good call. I mean, you look at the, at the two rosters and, and, I just feel like the Browns are leaps and bounds ahead. And obviously the, the quarterback is the most important position. Uh, well, the Browns were pretty comfortable with, with jettisoning uh, Baker Mayfield with, with not much uh, compensation for it. Now, yes, I do believe that Baker Mayfield is better than Jacoby Brissett, but that, that's a fairly low bar that, that we're, you know, setting. At hey there, point. come on. It's not supposed to be a hot take, Bob. Come on. Dude. <laughs> I know I'm just scorching. Um, but yeah, it's, the Panthers are not a good team. They they have a slight edge of quarterback here, but I don't really know where. And and obviously that's important, but I don't know where else that you could say position group to position group uh, that the Panthers are necessarily better. So um, you'd have to a like you said buy into uh, Christian McCaffrey completely transforming that offense, and I think he definitely makes it a lot better. He's obviously extremely important to it. We've seen how they've done without him these last couple of years when he's been injured, and I think you also. You know, this one may be a little bit more of an intangible. You have to really believe in Baker Mayfield's ability to like uh, turn his like pettiness and his anger towards the Browns into like actual on field production. Yeah, I wrote in my Beating the Book column, which you can find on, on rotowire.com, that it feels like Baker's either going to play the best or the worst football game of his entire life on Sunday. <laughs> Like he's either going to go out and throw like seven touchdowns and the Panthers are going to win by 50 or it's going to be a complete disaster. And he's like overhyped himself. Um, I, I mean, I really wish this game was in Cleveland. I think that would raise the stakes to, to an unbelievable degree. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a really fun game to watch. I think, you know, 
to, to the untrained eye, it might be really ugly, but uh, in terms of the storylines on the field, I'm looking forward to that one. I, I do want to sneak a, a quick total uh, in there that I think is a little too high. Packers Vikings sitting at 47 points to me, that's a little too high. Uh, you know, Jeff and I kind of broke this one down uh, a couple times this past week on the XM show. And, you know, we're, we're still kind of going back and forth. Like I, I still don't know who I'm going to bet in that game. I, I think I'm going to lean Minnesota, but I, you know, for the first time in a very long time, you have to take into account how good this Packers defense will likely be. So I don't think we see this explosive game from, from Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson in that offense. At the same time, I also don't think we see an explosive game from the Packers offense because I, I don't trust these receivers. You know, Alan Lazard, still very shaky at this point. And, you know, I think, I think if the Packers win this game, it's because they're able to do it on the ground with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. And if that's the case, you're running a bunch of clock. You know, I, I just I think this Packers offense – is just going to look a lot different than it has the last couple of years. So whoever wins this game, I see it being, you know, 24-21, 24-20, something like that. I don't think we I don't think we we, we go over that 37 point total. Yeah, I mean that that is a, a big number and certainly one that would have been attainable uh in years past, you know, when when the Packers were high flying, you expect them to be scoring closer to to 30 points mm-hmm. and, and the you know, the Packers defense may be a little bit leaky, giving up some big plays to, you know, peak Adam Thielen, that, that type of thing. Not not that, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson is, is any slouch. He's, yeah. you know. He'll uh, never be peak Thielen. No, I mean, t- tough, you know. But, yeah, I think that the the, the defensive point here and, and then also, you know, that there's the game script element that, that you bring up where if the Packers are having success on offense, it's unlikely to be, you know, through this really, like, big play pass happy aerial attack it's probably long sustained drives with aj Dillon and aaron jones is kind of like pounding the rock so that just shortens the game a little bit and that you know further steers the the uh the under uh potentially into play so that that's an interesting one i hadn't considered it quite that way um but you know now now you have my full attention i should clarify it's 47 points i think i said 37 uh, a couple of minutes ago, but 47 is the total in that Green Bay at Minnesota game. We like under uh, 37 too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, let's switch. Let's go to the other side now. Lines that are a little too low for you. Um, and I'm actually going to start here because we've already discussed this game, so we don't need to, to rehash it too much. But I have Ravens minus seven as maybe a little too low. I, I don't think it should be you know a whole lot higher, but I think that could be seven and a half. It could be eight. I mean. Again, it's 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 Joe Flacco. I understanding that there is some some potential absurdity element here. If you could put that aside, I just I really don't see the Jets competing in this game. It's hard for me to to do that, but I, I know you feel differently. So I'll give you uh, one last chance to um, you know kind of tamper my excitement about the the Ravens for Week One. Uh, I it's more just I I think that the Ravens their offense going up against a defensive minded team like, like the jets, you know, that's obviously Salah's calling card. Um, I think the Ravens are going to be a little bit out of sorts on offense. You know, I think the offensive line is going to be in trouble. I think they're going to struggle to get the ground game going. If you force L- Lamar Jackson to throw it and, and uh, really only Mark Andrews is the only viable guy out there, uh, not to throw like too much shade at Rashad Bateman, but we just don't know fully what he is yet. Uh, I think that the Ravens just aren't going to be able to score enough. Like I, I still believe that the Ravens come out of this one with, with a win, but I think it ends up being pretty uncomfortable. I, I think at, at the end of the day, I think that this is like a, a 24 to 20 type of win for the Ravens. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think we at least agree that they get it done. Um, 
I, I also have that Eagles line as being a little too small. Yes. Um, and you know, for the most part, I think I think the folks at BetMGM did a really good job. Um, you know, they they know what they're doing, as you may have heard at, at these sports books. So it's not, <laughs> you know, it's not easy to go through and be like, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Um, for the most part, they nailed it. But I, I think you could make a case that the Lions are feeding off of kind of this this unknown optimism. I, I don't really know where it's coming from. I part of it is hard knocks, part of it is they were this mm-hmm. beloved three-win team last year that kind of felt like a seven-win team at times. And I think they got better. You know, adding Aiden Hutchinson to that defense will, will definitely help. Um, I, I think Jared Goff has maybe become slightly underrated in, in what his role is right now in Detroit. But at the same time, there's a ton of reason to like this Eagles team. It, it feels like they're pushing their chips in. They're going all in. They have a monster offensive line. I, I think they're going to run all over this Lions team that they decimated, was it 44-6 to six last year? Yep. And, and that was one of those games at the time – that was a really popular survivor pick. That was a popular, you know, upset in pick'em leagues. And the Eagles just stomped their foot all over Detroit. And, you know, you could argue that both of these teams are better than they were last year. But I don't think the Lions have improved more than the Eagles have, if that makes sense. No, they, they definitely haven't. You know, the Eagles, you know, co- coming out of their, their playoff loss a year ago, it's like, okay, they, they need some more weapons. What they do? They got A.J. Brown. And they and I, I don't think anyone really off the jump, you know, we, we don't know how these guys – are going to pan out necessarily, but I don't know if anyone had a better draft than the Eagles did. So they got some instant impact guys in addition to getting, you know, an ascending superstar in AJ Brown. So, you know, it's all there for, for Jalen Hurts. There's no excuses. And I I think that really that there's so much around him to where it's going to be hard for him to fail. And like you said, this was a a total steamrolling by, by the Eagles a year ago. And I, I think that, you know, I, I get swept up in how likable that the Lions are, and you kind of got to remove those glasses a little bit and be like, okay, like, you know, to a man, the Eagles are just a lot better that, than the Lions are. And as fun as Dan Campbell is and as hard as his guys are going to be playing for him on Sunday, I think that I would be shocked if the Eagles win this one by, by less than a mm-hmm. touchdown. All right, so I know you have one other line that you feel like might be a little too low. I do. Um, I am so out on the Cowboys. It, it, it couldn't be uh, yeah, further fr- from Sonny as far as my, my outlook for, for Dallas. You know, I don't like the coach. First of all, Mike McCarthy, I think that, you know, the attrition this offseason as far as the receiving core goes, losing Amari Cooper, uh, losing Cedric Wilson. You got Michael Gallup coming back for, from the knee injury. So who knows when he's going to be like, you know, back to his uh, prior form. So, I like Jalen Tolbert, but you know he's still a you know a late round rookie. We can't expect him to to be making splash plays week one necessarily. There's going to be a lot of attention put on Ceedee Lamb by this Buccaneers defense, and uh, you know I, I think that the Buccaneers maybe time catches up with Tom this year, but I don't think it's this week under under the lights Sunday night. I think Tampa Bay comes out and and kind of uh, squashes any of the preseason doubt that that has kind of accumulated over the last few weeks here so I, I think Tampa Bay wins this one comfortably as well and I think Dallas can do its own part to make sure that that happens as well yeah this is this is one that I've gone back and forth about I, I, I'm going to back the Buccaneers so I am with you I mean it, it just feels like you know like normally there, there would kind of be more question marks about the Buccaneers um, but given the opponent this week it almost feels like more things have gone wrong for Dallas so far mm-hmm. um, and, and you know we'll, we'll see what what Tampa Bay ends up getting out of Chris Godwin in this game, how effective he's going to end up being. Uh, that, that's a pretty big unknown. But, yeah, I, I just trust the infrastructure here 
with Tampa Bay. And I, I feel like Dallas, like you said, I, I think they got worse. I think they got worse uh, than last year, especially on the offensive end. And, you know, they're, they're one of several teams with an elite quarterback that has more questions than you would like when it comes to pass catchers. So I would not be surprised if Dallas gets off to a bit of a slow start. Um, we got to deliver a message from BetMGM, the presenting sponsor of this very podcast. Kick off the new pro football season with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code BETROTO, that's B-E-T-R-O-T-O, all one word. And your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Here we go, John. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. I will not be reading that list again. Hit the you know 15 seconds back. I thought to. I was listening to like the Johnny Cash I've Been Everywhere song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you must be 21 years or older to wager at BetMGM. 19 or older uh, if you're lucky enough to live in Ontario. This is a new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. This excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please, please gamble responsibly. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. The number in Michigan is 1-800-270-7117. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. You can call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 in Tennessee or call 1-800-1888-7779696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Whew. All right. All right. Uh, let's move on. Well done. Let's move on. Yeah, that was uh, – we might have to trade off that read week to week, uh, just for like the, the sake of my lungs, but like a, uh, like a side, we got to have like a side bet for it. Like a side bet. Is it like how many times I have to take a break? How many numbers I mess up or what? I think, no, like a, we'll, we'll, we'll like pick a game, uh, a wager of some sort. Oh, and, yes. uh, yeah. And then, uh, whoever comes out on the losing end gets to, gets to do their, their okay. ad read. There we go. Yeah. Maybe, well, we're going to give some best bets at the end of the show. Maybe we, uh, if somebody loses their best bet, then they're automatically, uh, you know, doomed to to have to read that mouthful. But a lot of important information, nonetheless, in there. Uh, and, you know, if you do have a gambling problem, make sure uh, you know you're, you're calling one of those numbers. Anyway, I want to move on to some season long props, and we'll check in on these throughout the year. But of course, you know, a, a lot of these season long bets and futures are, are put in uh, prior to week one, so bigger now than ever. I want to start with a prop that I've just been, I've been preaching to everybody. I've been out at the street corners. I've been, you know, banging on pots and pans in the streets of Milwaukee. I like Aaron Rodgers under 31 and a half pass touchdowns 
this year. And it's a low number. I, I think, yeah, I, I think BetMGM, you know, once again, knows what they're doing here. Uh, there's, there's a reason that this number is, is sunk in this low. Um, it's right on the borderline for me where it becomes a little bit uncomfortable, but you know, as I laid out when we talked about that Green Bay Minnesota game, I just think this is going to be a very different looking Packers offense than what we've seen over the last two years. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be more than happy to kind of pass off some of the work to those running backs. Um, you know, he had so many touchdowns that came within five, 10, even three yards uh, over the last few years. You know, if you watch the Packers week in and week out, it felt like they were going out of their way to like throw these fades and these, you know, like high risk passes at the goal line. Uh, seemingly in, a, in an effort to like boost Rogers touchdown numbers. I think that goes out the window this year. I think they take a new approach. And I, I think we, we see kind of that version of Aaron Rodgers that we saw in his first year after Matt LaFleur took over. Yeah, I, c- I could see it too. And, and, you know, if you project it out on the other side where it's like, okay, how, how is he getting to 32 exactly? Like how many touchdowns can you really realistically expect from the likes of Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Romeo dubs and it feels like okay maybe they get to like 20 as as a group something like that and then you know how many is Tunyon going to account for you basically like Aaron Jones I feel like is going to be the key to that one if he can take some of those swing passes uh to the house and you know ends up with like four five receiving touchdowns then maybe you're sweating it a little bit but like the current personnel just doesn't scream this this insane amount of, of passing touchdowns for from Rodgers and the Packers as a whole. So like yeah. it, even though that that equals out to a clip of less than two touchdowns per game and it's like hard to bet against that when it when it is arguably like the greatest talent wise quarterback that we've ever seen. This it this is like the toughest t- test of, of that because the, the surrounding supporting cast that, that he has it is so lackluster. Yeah. And, you know, last year it felt like Rodgers threw a ton of touchdowns. He only ended up with 37. And you have to keep in mind, he did miss one game uh, against the Chiefs due, due to COVID. So, you know, if you think he plays all 17, maybe you have to factor that in as well. That Maybe that could push him just over. But, you know, I also think Green Bay is going to potentially be in position where maybe they don't need that week 18 game and, and Rodgers doesn't play or is limited, as was the case last year when they pulled him at halftime against the Lions. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think we've, we've kind of laid out the case for this one. It's like I said, I, I wish that number was sitting at like 32, 33 and a half. Uh, it's going to be close, but, uh, you know, first year with Matt LaFleur Packers are really good. They won 13 games. Rogers threw 26 touchdowns, four picks. So we've, to me, we've kind of already seen what the blueprint is for that under, um, the other one that I'll throw out there, um, and then we can start going a little more rapid fire Baker Mayfield under 22 and a half passing touchdowns. You know, for one, he's never been a high volume touchdown thrower. Um, you know, he really only has one dependable receiver in DJ Moore. And the biggest thing for me is I don't think that he is by any means a lock to start every game this year, whether it's due to injury or, you know, very much due to performance. I think there's there's a, a world in which Baker Mayfield plays his way out of this job at some point. And if that happens, it's basically a lock to go under. Well, that'd be a problem for me because one of my props is that he leads the league in interceptions? Ooh. So well, Johnny needs on the table. Johnny needs Baker playing every <laughs> single week. That or, or you know he needs a new pair of shoes, and, and Baker provides via the interception. But yes, it, once uh, once Sam Darnold is healthy, and if Baker is struggling, then you know I think that we we have a reopened uh, quarterback competition, and you know the the move to acquire Baker Mayfield by by the Panthers ends up looking 
uh, even worse than, than we could have thought um, it would have. But yeah, under under 22 and a half passing touchdowns, like you said, also really only DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey are going to be scoring those passing touchdowns uh, for Carolina. So it's just if you like the over, it's just modest enough of, of a total to where I could like kind of squint and see it if he's starting every week. But I, I think that he's a, still a very mistake-prone quarterback. I, I don't trust the way that this offense is designed, uh, nor do I trust the personnel overall. So um, I, I think that that's certainly a fine enough wager there, Nick. Um, and then for me, beyond Baker, I like another under as far as uh, name-brand quarterbacks go. I like Dak under 31-and-a-half passing touchdowns. It kind of dovetails with what I was talking about um, with that Tampa Bay game. Again, I just really don't trust that this Cowboys group of pass catchers, uh, you know, Dalton Schultz now has to be the number two option. Like last year, he scored all these touchdowns because, you know, you had Gallup fully healthy. You had Wilson, you had Amari Cooper in addition to CeeDee Lamb. Like, you know, defenses simply were forgetting about him. They're not going to forget about him this year. They bracket that coverage over to him a little bit more on top of CeeDee Lamb. I think this ends poorly. And obviously the Tyron Smith injury, less time for, for Dak to sit back and operate. So I, I like the under here on 31 and a half touchdowns. And then I'll go ahead and cherry pick a favorite um, as well for, for one prop, Justin Jefferson uh, uh, receiving yardage leader, eight to one odds. I I'm definitely good with that. I, I have tons of Justin Jefferson in fantasy and, and I've took him, uh, you know, reliably over Cooper cup in a bunch of spots. I even took him over uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, in a couple of spots as well. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I just could not be more in on Justin Jefferson this year. I think it's, you know, all systems go. I'll be surprised if he doesn't end up uh, as the, as the leader. So, you know, $20 bet on plus 800, you know, that's a, that's a decent little return there. Yeah. I love that one. I mean, that's a, if he stays healthy, it's hard to kind of see that not happening. And that's saying a lot considering the season uh, that Cooper cup just had, but it's, it's, so, so difficult to repeat that. Um, you know, really the only, the only like recent example uh, that you could find, I mean, Antonio Brown was pretty dominant for like three or four straight years in the middle of the last decade. Uh, but really none of those seasons, you know, touched what Cooper cup did last season, but nonetheless, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I was talking about this with some, some friends in the group chat the other day of like, I, I think I made the, uh, the Cooper cup, Nikola Jokic comparison where like everybody acknowledges that Cooper cup is awesome. And, you know, in terms of the numbers, he was the best receiver in the league last year. And it wasn't close much like Jokic was the best player in the NBA last year. And it wasn't close. And yet I feel like if you pulled a hundred football fans or you even pulled each NFL team, I feel like most people would rather have Jefferson. I, I think you would too. And, and you know, that this kind of a, a dumb brained way of like measuring this out, but it's like, what's your favorite Cooper cup moment from last year? Do you have one? No. Seven yard curl, well, I think some people uh, like, running yeah, a nice, running yeah, a really crisp cold. slant. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Just, he's just, yeah, he's not flashy by any means. And yeah, for some people, you need that. And, you know, Jefferson uh, has that in spades. Um, Derrick Henry to lead the league in rushing at six to one at Bet MGM. Uh, I, I don't love the odds here. I, I feel like you maybe should be getting a little more on this considering he's coming off the injury and there's, there's a healthy amount of skepticism. But before he got hurt last year, he was on pace for another big time elite season. He, you know, he was like 13 yards per game ahead of Jonathan Taylor. Um, so, you know, had he, had he played a full season would have easily uh, led the league in rushing for me this, this one, I kind of feel the same way as I do about Jefferson, uh, but maybe even a little more confident. Like if you could guarantee me that Derrick Henry 
plays every game, which again, I understand is, is not a guarantee by any means. I just feel like it's a lock. I, I think he, I think he's that good. He's that dominant and they need him more than ever. And, you know, other teams, you know, I think are a little more cautious uh, about workload and, you know, mixing in other backs like Tennessee, as long as Henry is healthy, they have never had that problem. No, sir. Uh, if he plays every game, he, who else even comes within 70 carries of him as far as like rushing volume, just right. sheer attempts go like he, the, the wheels are coming off uh, b- before the, the Titans like try to, you know, lighten his workload. I think that, you know, he, he's really the only guy I feel confident is going to have more than 300 carries this year, as long as he's playing every week or only misses one game. Whereas, you know, everyone else, you know, even like a Najee Harris, who dealt with a, a foot thing during training camp, like that, He's, you know, he's the only guy really there in in Pittsburgh. But even still, it, I just feel like it's it's got to be Derrick Henry. Like as far as just that that volume, and you know, it's not just the volume. I know we we talk about it and how that kind of differentiates him from other elite backs for fantasy purposes. But Derrick Henry's still really stinking good too. Yeah, he is, and he's smacked out in the language. middle of his of his. Yeah, watch it. Come on. Um, <laughs> He's right in the middle of his prime, you know, and for running backs, that clock, you know, is ticking a little bit faster than it might be for other positions. And, um, you know, in, in a year or two from now, I, I think we might feel very different about where he's at, but I, I think he's got one more year left in him. Um, again, all the odds that we're referencing on this pod via BetMGM, you can go to BetMGM.com, you can use the BetMGM app and make sure you're using our promo code BETROTO, B-E-T-R-O-T-O. Uh, John, let's do uh, let's do some futures here. We'll, we'll try to lock some of these in. And again, we'll check in on these uh, as the year goes along, as the odds shift. Um, in the NFL, I mean, you see big swings week to week with some of these major awards. And I, I want to start with with the NFL MVP. I, I know you have some takes. Um, give me give me the guys that you like among the chalky favorites first. So uh, up at the top and, you know, the way that the NFL MVP futures market shapes out it's not too different than the college football one where it's basically become a quarterback award i i basically just am not willing to to put much money on a, on a running back at this stage uh either in the heisman and certainly not for for the nfl for the most part so you looking at the top of the board it feels like josh allen he, he's hitting a springboard moment like it i think that this year you know it could take another level and if that happens I, I just have a hard time seeing anyone unseat him. But if there is one person, it's Justin Herbert, in my opinion. I think everything is there for him, not not only his own tools, but the, you know the players around him, uh, the expectations for the Chargers. If he's able to to kind of have the the Chargers be the new kings of the AFC West in what is you know an extremely loaded division now because of everything that's happened this off season, I think that the MVP voters will be pretty deferential. Uh, to Justin Herbert. So if, if you're looking at the top of the board, MVP guys, the, those are my two. And, and you know, guys like Patrick Mahomes, maybe not not quite as much on, on my radar. Yeah, those are good calls. I mean, they're they're near the top for a reason, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's tough because it, it feels like this is, like normally you would have a guy like Josh Allen or Justin Herbert, who's like the clear, you know, ready. As long as he has a very good season, he, everybody wants him to be the MVP. But it feels like both of these guys are in that seat right now, right? Like, you know, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, if they both play well, you know, maybe it just comes down to who has more team success. And, you know, in that situation, I, I think I would probably uh, end up leaning toward Josh Allen as the slightly better bet. I mean, you're not getting quite as good of odds 
Uh, you know, he's at seven to one at BetMGM. Justin Herbert at plus eight fifty. So similar, but I think the Bills have a higher floor as a team and, and arguably a higher ceiling as a team, given what their schedule looks like compared to the Chargers having to play in the AFC West. Uh, but I, I think both these guys have fantastic seasons. Um, I, I would also look into Joe Burrow at twelve to one. I, you know, it, it's tough for me to you know say nice things about another rival big cat team in the Bengals, but I, I do feel like there's been a fair amount of disrespect. There's been a lot of, you know, like this team had an incredible run to the Super Bowl, almost won the Super Bowl. And then after they lost, it felt like everybody decided like, oh, that was kind of a fluke. They're just not that good. I'm like, I think they're really good. I, I think every member of that offense is still ascending. They're all young. They're all going to grow together. They should be just as good, if not better this year. Like they had some weird games early in the year, really didn't hit their stride until late in the season. And I, I think Joe Burrow is already established himself as somebody who's going to be you know in the top five at his position in the top five when it comes to mvp odds at his position pretty much every year so you know there, there might not be a, to a ton of years going forward where you could get joe burrow at 12 to 1 right now so i like him a lot i like russell wilson at 14 to 1 i, I think there's some serious narrative potential there you know switching teams you know he, he's finally got his own system you know he's away from Pete carroll like i, I think you could see people russ himself uh trying to kind of get you into that narrative um, but if, if you're looking at guys who are a little bit longer odds, um, you know, you want to find some value, who do you point to? Um, so looking down the board a little bit and, and yeah, the, the Russell Wilson call is, is interesting. Definitely with, with him moving over the, the, the Rocky mountain way, right. Of, uh, you know, in the post John Elway era is just go get an extremely good quarterback somehow. Like you, you get Peyton Manning to, to come to your team, get Russell Wilson, uh, to come on over and then just uh, draft terrible quarterbacks when they're not there. But uh, I guess that's a discussion for another day. But yeah, I, I do expect good things from Russ this year out in Denver. Um, sticking in the AFC West. So we've basically, you know, covered our, our bingo card for, for that division. But if, if Derek Carr, if this edition of Devontae Adams unlocks this Raiders team, you know, I think that they are uh, I think they're probably projected to finish last in, in the in this division uh, yeah. just because of how strong everyone else is. And if they come out and win it, you know, I, I think that, that that's going to speak volumes about Carr. And I, I think that, um, you know, there will be uh, the potential of him being in that MVP discussion. Jalen Hurts, this is more of just a you know, this hinges on him fully breaking out. You know, again, now that you have guys like A.J. Brown, you got. Uh, Devonte Smith entering his second year. You got a great offensive line. You got a good team overall around you. You should win your division. All of that stacks up to you know if Hurts run or uh, throws thirty plus touchdowns, runs for another ten, uh, and is that dominant type of guy statistically, uh, then I think that he's going to be be tough to to keep out. I don't think he has quite like the Lamar Jackson season for, from a couple years ago as far as the the dual threat goes, but. I think it's you know on the table that that he has a very very strong year, and then uh, it, it probably isn't a strong bet. And again, I was talking about running backs and the, how it's not likely for them. But Jonathan Taylor, if he if he gets you know over two thousand yards, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be you know something to at least consider uh, as far as the MVP uh, voters are going. Indianapolis, I think, uh, is going to be a, a playoff team given how weak the rest of that division is, except for the Jags, of course. Except for the Jags, 17 and 0, baby. Um, you know, you mentioned the Raiders, and to confirm, they are not only projected to finish last in that division, but at BetMGM, they're they're a distant fourth uh, when it comes to the best odds to win that division, plus 650 
for the Raiders. Uh, you know, next. I don't next hate that bet. Yeah, I don't either. At plus six fifty, I mean, the Broncos are plus two sixty, Chargers two thirty, Chiefs one seventy. So, um, you know, certainly a much better value bet in a division that I think that could end up being really close. I want to move to Coach of the Year, and I, I love talking about this in in, in NBA context. We do it all the time uh, on our podcast because it. In order to make a case for coach of the year, you you it requires you to basically map out how the season is going to go for a team. It requires you to kind of craft a narrative because there's always narrative involved uh, when it comes to coach of the year. Um, do you? I, I see you have Dan Campbell as one of your you know your talking points here. Is that a good bet or a bad bet on Dan on Dan Campbell, who I believe, if, correct me if I'm wrong, is the favorite at BetMGM. At BetMGM, he is the um so you know the uh, the other guy that's close is brandon staley so two guys that were first year head coaches last year um that's usually you know like you were saying you got to craft it out when it when it comes to these coach of the year uh discussions and a lot of the time in the nfl it's a first year guy i think that that's just kind of how it rolls and like the longer that you've been in the game uh the less likely it is that you're going to get it even if like you know bill belichick has an amazing uh coaching year or harbaugh or Mike Tomlin, guys like that, it's harder for them because everyone wants the new flashy, like the, the next big thing as far as head coaches go. So usually it's it's better to target the, those newer guys. Um, but I, I think Dan Campbell, again, you know, this is a Lions team that's not expected to, to make the playoffs, but this really isn't a great NFC North. If they're able to like sweep the Bears, split it the rest of the way with, between the um, the Packers and the Vikings, and they're in the hunt. Late in the season, I think people are going are like going to be really willing to be like, "Wow, what a great job by Dan Campbell." I, I can see it. I I don't love it. I, I think they like to win Coach of the Year. You you have to have like a good season. You can't win Coach of the Year winning like six games. And mm-hmm. I just I don't think the lines are going to be that good. I, I think they're going to take a step forward from last year, but I don't think you could finish you know probably a distant third in your division and maybe be like seven and ten and win coach of the year. Like, I, I think there'll be stronger cases out there. So like, I get why he's the favorite. Um, obviously this kind of just goes hand in hand with all the momentum that this, this franchise seems to have, but I, I could see him winning it maybe two years from now. I just, I don't think the lions are going to be quite good enough. Uh, the bet that I think I like most right now um, is Kevin O'Connell. He, he fits the, you know, the checkbox of first year head coach. Um, you know, if you read those comments from, I think it was Terrence Newman who was on staff in Minnesota uh, referred to Mike Zimmer this past week as Satan. Oh, uh, so you know things were not great. I think on on his way out, I think there's going to be a pretty big uh, shift in terms of like positive culture around a team that was still pretty good. You know, <laughs> despite uh, ostensibly hating its head coach the last couple of years, it, it reminds me a lot of you know Mike McCarthy's exit from Green Bay, um, where it was just it was just stale. You know, and you had a talented team, you knew you weren't getting the most out of it, and then you know a fresh face comes in and. All of a sudden, you know, you go from being kind of this middling team without a direction to winning 13 games the next year. So I, I think Kevin O'Connell could have that kind of effect on the Minnesota Vikings. And if they win the division, uh, let's say you know, if, they, if they're a game or two ahead of Green Bay at the end of the year, maybe that's enough to push him over. I would also throw out um, Nathaniel Hackett in Denver, you know, kind of hand in hand with the same case for Russell Wilson for MVP. If Denver wins that division, you know, first year head coach, there's, there's a ton of momentum there. Um, I actually think, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay at 25 to one. It, it feels like he should have won it one of these last couple of years and he hasn't, you know, in fact, there's a big article a couple of weeks ago uh, kind of diving into that. And, you know, almost one of those articles that's like setting him up to win it. Um, so getting him at 25 to one 
uh, I think is, is pretty good odds. And then I'll also throw out there Sean McDermott at 25 to one. Like I, you know, I, I think the Buffalo Bills probably have the best chance to finish with the best record. I think they're the best team top to bottom. I think they'll pretty easily win their division. And if you look back at some of the recent winners, it's, it's kind of a, it's a perfect mix of, you know, sometimes it's someone like a Matt Nagy where you, you know, you just have a surprising season. You're better than most people thought you would, um, you know, kind of same with Kevin Stefanski in 2020 with the Browns, even mm-hmm. last year, Mike Vrabel winning it with the Titans. They had a bunch of injuries, still were a good team. Other times you get a winner, like in 2019, John Harbaugh, when the Ravens won 14 games or Jason Garrett in 2016, uh, when the Matt or the Mavericks, wow. The, uh, <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys won 13 games or 2015, Ron Rivera won it when the Panthers went 15 and one. So sometimes like if you, if you're just far and away the best team in the league, the award goes to you. And mm. we see that in the in the NBA all the time. Like if you, like when the Warriors won 73 games, it's not like Steve Kerr did this masterful coaching job. They just had the best roster and they were the best team in the league by a mile. And you know, it automatically goes to you. So if you think the bills are going to go like 14 and three and no other team wins more than 12 games, I think it could fall to McDermott kind of by default. No, I re- I really like that angle uh, there because yeah, it is true, and we have really recent precedent on it. Like you said, with, with Harbaugh and, and uh, you know the Cowboys, uh, the, that Panthers team with, with Cam at his at the peak of his powers, MVP, and you know MVP on on that 2019 Ravens team of Josh Allen, you know, kind of again like carries them to the best record in football, MVP caliber season. Yeah, then you could easily see the Bills as kind of like having one of those like clean sweeps as far as the awards go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's the case uh, for the Buffalo Bills. And, and speaking of Super Bowl odds, you know, Bills at six to one, it's it's not the greatest odds in the world, that's for sure. But uh, again, you talk about a team that has a, a really nice path in its division to at least get into the tournament and have a high seed and be in you know a really good position to win some of those games. You know, you, you kind of by the by the time. You get to the playoffs, maybe you only have to play one of those teams from the AFC West uh, on your way to the Super Bowl. So I, I really don't even mind betting the Bills at six to one. But who are your favorite bets if you're if you're trying to mine a little bit more value? Yes, yeah, so I do like the Bills as well, and it's sort of a process of elimination for me. Like you look at the top of the board over at BetMGM, I'm out on the Bucks winning it all. I think that the window is closing to closed um, the chiefs. I think there's just too much unknown after uh, the, you know, Tyree kill is gone. I think that really changes the shape of that offense uh, in a negative way. I don't think the Rams are, are quite built to repeat. They're not deep enough. They were able to stay so healthy last year for the most part that, that, you know, that, that kind of stuff doesn't always last. So I'm out on them Packers. You know, we, we kind of dove into our reasons for skepticism on the Packers earlier chargers, this is more uh, just following the the Chargers for long enough. They just always find a way to screw it up. So like I, I I'd be out on them. So I just feel like the Bills, even though like you said that you know it's not the greatest uh, ROI. I just feel like that it's their championship to lose at, at this point. So I, I like the Bills, um, but other uh, long shot. I do kind of like Indianapolis. I think that, you know, the, the division's going to be very winnable for them. I like Matt Ryan a lot. I think that's a really good addition. Uh, that's a strong offensive line. Great run game, of course. I think that the passing game, if one guy emerges emerges opposite Michael Pittman, that's really that's really a, a dynamic offense. So I think that Indianapolis, the, 
it's a well-built team all around. Carson Wentz obviously couldn't deliver it, but you know, Philip Rivers dragged, you know, basically most of this roster to the postseason two years ago. I think that Matt Ryan can just kind of like help elevate this Indianapolis team, make them a, a legitimate contender um, in the AFC. And if they get past the AFC, then you know, I, I would like them against almost anyone in the NFC. Yeah, that's a good call. I, you know, in terms of longer shots, I, the Bengals at twenty to one. I, I think there's there's some decent value there. And the Eagles at 25 to one, you know, that's a number that uh, let's say the Eagles come out in week one and smash the lions and they get off to, you know, a, a three and O or four and O start. You can see that number plummeting over the next few weeks. So I think if you're, if you're a believer in the moves that the Eagles have made and the upgrades that they've made on both sides of the ball, I would say, you know, lock that in now uh, on bet MGM uh, promo code bet Roto, by the way, um, offensive rookie of the year. This is, I, I would say without a doubt, uh, at least since I've been, uh, you know, in the sports betting biz, the weirdest offensive rookie of the year race of all time. Uh, you have a, you know, not even a first round pick uh, who is now the the lowest odds at that MGM uh, in George Pickens. Uh, you have, you know, some like guy that people had no idea who he was uh, coming out of the draft in Romeo Dobbs at 12 to one. Um, it, it's just a, a really, really weird rookie class with, you know, every year it feels like you have one to five, you know, or, or I should say at least like four or five quarterbacks in the first round. And a lot of those guys end up starting right away. And, and typically it's just like, whichever of those quarterbacks does the best is going to win the award, but we don't have that this year. And we might not get it at all. I, I think at some point, Kenny Pickett takes over, but um, we'll talk about him in a second. Who are your, who are your favorite bets right now? If you're handicapping this, this strange, strange offensive rookie of the year race. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult and it's changed, you know, so much over the, over the course of these last few months, you know, uh, guys like Garrett Wilson uh, used to be near the top or, or Kenny Pickett. Uh, Kenny Pickett's still up there, but I, I, I'm not really understanding uh, why necessarily. But uh, for me, I've been on Olave. Uh, he's been, uh, you know, floating around plus 1100 to, to plus a thousand. He's at a plus plus a thousand right now. Um, I just feel like the, the, the pathway is so clear for him to be a, a right away contributor that I, I have a hard time seeing him at least falling out of the race. I think he's going to be in it this entire season. Damian Pierce has obviously skyrocketed over the course of the preseason. He's plus 1100 at bet MGM. Now I do like that a fair bit. You know, I think that uh, there's a very strong chance that, that he ends up leading all rookies in, in rushing. And it, you know, if the Texans, you know, somehow are decent, then, you know, that this works out pretty nicely uh, for Damian Pierce. And I can't believe I would say this now because I was so out on it early on when, when the odds were released, but uh, you look at Traylon Burks now at plus 1400. Now I'm a little bit more interested when he was uh, shortly after he was drafted and he had all that hype, I was completely out on it. But mm -hmm. you know, now, now we're talking about the number of pl plus 1400. If it does end up clicking for him, that, then I think that that's a nice bet as well. Yeah, I, I think, I, I think the process that Jamar Chase went through this time last year gives me hope for Traylon Burks, right? Where like people were down, down on Jamar Chase going into week one. And, you know, within like two weeks, it was very clear that all of that was misguided and he was going to be just fine. And, you know, chances are, I, you know, Traylon Burks doesn't have that type of explosion and that type of season. But, um, you know, there is at least a path for a guy kind of struggling, not finding his way in the preseason and then turning it on in the regular season. So I like that call. Um, yeah, I'm on Olave as well, 10 to 1. I think that's, you know, especially if you think Michael Thomas is not going to be able to make it through this season health-wise, there's a world in which Chris Olave emerges 
as the number one receiver and what could be a pretty productive offense. Um, you know, it's, it's just, I don't really feel great about any of the guys under 20 to one. It's like, normally, normally if you're betting someone like Romeo Dobbs or Damian Pierce, you're getting like 50 to one on those guys. Right. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, it, it just speaks to the fact that there's no clear favorite that everybody is chasing. Like, you know, I love George Pickens, but I don't want to bet him at nine to one. I, you know, I, I think for me, this is maybe one that, you know, you, you kind of stay away from for a couple of weeks and wait to see how things shake out. Um, I, I do want to finish on Pickett though. He's nine to one. So the co-favorite alongside George Pickens, like I understand the case for Kenny Pickett, you know, it's either Trubisky plays horribly to begin the year or he gets hurt. And all of a sudden Pickett is out there sooner than we expect. And he ends up starting 15 games. And, you know, just by virtue of like being the only rookie quarterback, if he has even mild success, maybe that's enough to get him the award. But again, nine to one, I mean, you're betting on a, a, a guy who was listed third on the depth chart a week ago. And he's the co-favorite for, for rookie of the year. Yeah, it, it's absolutely wild. So, uh, yeah, that that's this is just a really tricky uh, rookie of the year race to to settle. And and again, like like you said, it's it's hard to find that those those values, those long shot values. I mean, the, I think the betting market just in general and the, the odds makers have just gotten so sharp with it that it, it's hard to find like that that real like plus twenty five hundred guy with it with like a, a you know a puncher's chance at getting there. Yeah, very well said. Um, let's move on to our locks for the week. Let's lock uh, it up. I want to. I want to. I want you to give me your your favorite bet against the spread. I will do the same, uh, and then we'll just run through a, a couple of the games that we haven't touched on. Give our quick thoughts, and then we'll get out of here. So, uh, that may not be surprising ba- based on you know what I've said about Dallas and, and this game, but Bucks minus two and a half. Uh, it was like minus one, minus one and a half. A little bit earlier, especially during uh, Tom's little hiatus uh, d- during August, sabbatical, but it hiatus, you know, yes. <laughs> uh, sabbatical. Um, I think was a word that I saw used on, on RotoWire for in like the headline, like back from sabbatical or something. Like he's a teacher uh, going down to I don't know somewhere. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm in on the Bucks going ahead, taking care of business on, on national TV, just as they did to open the season uh last year uh on that on that thursday night game in tampa bay to, to open up uh their their title defense um yeah i i just don't really see a way in, in which the cowboys keep this one uh within a field goal so I, i'm going with the bucks as my best bet lock it up okay i like it i like it uh, and i'm going to the 49ers uh, minus six and a half right now uh at bet mgm um you know i we haven't really talked about this game all that much. We, we did a, did a lot on Ravens jets. It's kind of a similar matchup to me. Uh, although the, the big caveat here with the 49ers is you have pretty significant question mark uh, at quarterback. Uh, we'll see about George Kittle as well, but um, a lot to like, of course, about Trey Lance, but we've only seen him in two starts so far. Um, yeah. I keep going back to what he looked like in that late season start against the Houston Texans. And they got off to a really, really slow start in that game. It looked like for a while there, maybe Houston might pull the upset and then, really over the course of 60 minutes, you know, the 49ers just massive advantage in talent on both sides of the ball pulled through. And I think we see a similar result. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Chicago looks okay early on. Justin Fields is, is running around, moving the ball. Um, I think I would be even less surprised if, if San Francisco struggles to move the ball in, in its first few possessions. But I think in the second half, we see the 49ers pull away. And for me, this is just about, you know, how bad I think this Bears team uh, is going to be and, and certainly the talent on the other side for San Francisco. So I'll, I'll take the Niners. You will take the Buccaneers. Um, we'll, we'll have to come up with something else uh, for, for the read. If we both 
uh, end up hitting our locks. But if, if one of us loses, then, um, you know, that'll, that'll be the punishment, at least for week two. I do want to note, by the way, that, you know, if you're looking into, you know, some of the, the three biggest favorites, uh, the road favorites, that is, you know, the Ravens, the Colts, and the 49ers, you could parlay those three teams. If you think they're all going to win big, or at least cover the spread, you could push that up to close to like plus 575, plus 580 at that MGM. I mean, just betting the money lines for those three teams, if you parlay it, gets you to plus 130. Um, you know, so make sure you're, you're playing around uh, on that MGM and, and getting the best value that you can, uh, especially if there are a handful of games that you feel really good about. Uh, but are, are there any other games that we haven't touched on, John, that you want to get a word in? Um, I think we, we've kind of nailed it as far as uh, the, these intriguing ones. Uh, I'm, I'm interested, I guess, to, to hear your thoughts on what I think might be the best game of the weekend overall. I want to hear your thoughts on uh, Raiders Chargers because I, I don't know if I can get with the Chargers covering. Um, you know, I think there's a decent chance that the Raiders win that game outright. And, you know, we get to see, you know, this new look Raiders offense and we get to see, you know, maybe the Chargers finally, you know, living up to their potential. So I think that plus the fact that it's a divisional game, uh, there's always some good juice uh, in this rivalry. So your thoughts there. Well, at first, I thought you were setting me up to talk Jags Commanders when you said game of the week. So I need to recalibrate for a second. That's behind but, the paywall. That's like yeah, on our yeah, special yeah. paywall. Well, there, you know, I think Raiders Chargers is in the late window. So at least, you know, you don't have to, if you're not a two TV household like, like myself, you know, you, you don't have to worry about it. You can watch both. Don't worry. Um, I, I like the Chargers in this game. I don't think it's going to be easy. That's for sure. I, I'm starting to feel like the Raiders are becoming really underrated. Um, I, I think. You know, just by virtue of playing in that division, I, I think everybody kind of looked at how great we think the Chargers will be, you know, the improvements that Denver made. Obviously, you always have the Chiefs. And people just said, well, you know, the Raiders are the Raiders. They'll, they'll just finish fourth. I mean, the Raiders were the team that made the playoffs over the Chargers last year. And, yes, the Chargers, you know, made some additions. You know, J.C. Jackson likely not going to play in this game. Might miss a couple weeks to begin the year. You know, Khalil Mack is one of those guys who's still a huge name. We'll see how effective he is at this point. Um you know, so, so to me with, with the Chargers, like I just I've been trying to not go overboard on the hype because, again, there is a lot to like. But this is the most hype there's ever been for a team that didn't even make the playoffs last year and then got knocked out by this very Raiders team. So I, I think we get a really close game uh, again. I, I, I think the Chargers win it, but I would not be surprised at all if this is one where the Chargers get blitzed early on. And, you know, here we are yet again in a situation where Herbert has to kind of throw them back into the game in the second half. Yeah, so I, the Raiders are very dangerous in my opinion, and you know defensively they they might have a little bit more teeth. You know, you get you know Max Mad Max Crosby, yeah. and you get you get a uh, Chandler Jones going in there now. Like you know, that, this could be a problem for that for that um, that Chargers line being able to to keep Justin Herbert upright. And you know, I think that that combo of of Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams and Darren Waller like that is. That's going to be a lot for a J.C. Jacksonless defense to, to keep track of. There's only one Derwin James. I, I don't believe that they've cloned him yet, so um, that's going to be tough. Working on that, yeah, still in progress. I mean, there's been a, a ton of talk about Khalil Mack. Like Chandler Jones has been a better player than Khalil Mack for the yes. last several years, and there's not, not a ton of chatter about uh, that major addition in the AFC West. So I like that call there quite a bit. I, I'm still kind of finalizing my, you know, my confidence picks in my, my, my pickup league with the college buddies. And that's one that I, I keep trying to find ways to, you know, I want to pick the chargers, but I, I want to keep them low. Um, but you know, then you get into, it's like, am I more confident in that game than I am uh, what's going to happen in say Jags commanders, which I really don't want to spend too much time on 
I'm rolling with the Commanders. Uh, betting against the Jaguars for the last three years has been wildly profitable. I would advise it to just about anybody. Um, I, I, I made a point to not drink the Kool-Aid last year. And it's, it's crazy to remember, but this time last year, people thought that Urban Meyer was going to work out. They thought he was going to bring this, you know, he's a perfect match for Trevor Lawrence and that offense. Disaster. Complete disaster. They will not be that bad this year, but I don't think they're going to be a good team. And I, I think they, they start 0-1 under Doug Peterson. Uh, you know, similar to to my own pessimism about, about the Ravens, it, you know, I'm, it's unfortunate to, to hear that, uh, that, that that's how we're feeling about uh, the Jags un, under Peterson. But yeah, and until the, they show that the, the Urban Meyer stink is gone, you just kind of have to assume it's still yeah. lingering. They, they need to win like four Super Bowls in a row. And then like that fifth year, I'll finally be like, you know what? I think they're going to be okay this year. <laughs> they, they undo all of the, the bad will that they've earned with me. Uh, it's an unbelievable burden of proof that they need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we've hit on pretty much every game. Let's, let's go to the Monday night game real quickly and then we'll wrap it up. Broncos at Seahawks. I cannot wait to see what this environment is going to be. Uh, Seahawks, by the way, six and a half point dogs at home. Uh, it's First of all, kudos to the schedule makers for giving us this on Monday night. Um, if this game was in Denver, it would still have some appeal. But the fact that it's it's in Seattle, I think, really adds to the intrigue. I think, I think it's going to be more of a hostile environment than people expect. I, you know, it's not going to be Brett Favre coming back to Green Bay or you know LeBron's first time back at Cleveland. Or it's not going to be anything like that. But I don't think I don't think this is going to be a glorious homecoming for Russell Wilson. I, I think I think there's still a, a decent amount of vitriol here, and I, I think the fact, especially that. Seattle's not really bottoming out and they, they want to push through and prove that they can still win games without him. I think it'd be a little different if they had traded Tyler Lockett and traded DK Metcalf and clearly they were heading in to some sort of rebuild. Um, then it's a little bit easier to, you know, maybe just kind of let your mind wander as a fan. But I, I think Seattle, you know, they want to prove that they could still be a viable team without Russell Wilson. So I, I like the Broncos to win this game, but I, I don't think it's going to be a complete romp. I, I think it's, it's going to be a hostile environment for us. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. It, you know, the, the fact that this is like a seismic trade that's so fresh and then it's, you know, Russ's first game outside of Seattle and it's right back to where, where he came from. It, it's just, uh, it's beautiful, like you said, by, by the schedule makers. I just don't, yeah, I'm confident in the bank, or I'm sorry, in the Broncos for this season, but this, this really is a tough spot and six and a half is a lot to cover on the road. Um, especially in a place like like Seattle, where there is a distinct home field advantage that is a loud, loud stadium, and you know it's going to be rocking there on that Monday night. So uh, I wouldn't put it like near the top of my my confidence picks that that the Broncos cover this spread or anything. Um, but I do believe that um, you know that this game gets a little bit ugly, a little bit tense. I think the Broncos come out on on top, but you know I, I think there's a, a pretty decent chance that that the Seahawks even even though they are limited and, you know, you got Geno Smith back there and everything, they make this one a little bit interesting when it's all said and done. You know, this game doesn't end up being the laugher that maybe it should be on paper. All right, we're going to talk some college football. Again, uh, make sure you're using BetMGM app. You can go to BetMGM.com, browse the odds, place some bets. Make sure you're using our promo code BETROTO. That's BETROTO, B-E-T-R-O-T-O. Jonathan. Week one, college football, ton of action all last weekend. We had games seemingly every single night for like five straight nights. Uh, a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a letdown week in week two, but you know, kind of kind of let the schedule breathe a little yeah. bit. Um, 
first of all, any, you know, any quick reactions from week one? Um, and once we move on from that, uh, I want to get into, you know, some of your leans for week two. Yeah. I mean, uh, coming, coming out, I, I thought that, uh, I was very excited to see the backyard brawl back. I, I love a good regional rivalry. And when one gets frozen for, for like over a decade, the way that Pitt West Virginia did, uh, seeing it come back on that Thursday night, kind of having the, the stage to itself was a lot of fun. But, you know, beyond that, um, I think we see a clear separation between the top three teams in college football and, and everybody else. I, I don't think that there's really um, a case to say otherwise or, the, or that the number four team is close to the number three team or the two team. Uh, however you want to slice it, uh, you know, Alabama looked just as dominant as ever. I mean, they pitch a shutout and also hang 55 uh, on a Utah State team that was good last year and had its quarterback back, everything like that. Georgia doing something that other than Ohio State against Michigan State last year basically hasn't been done between ranked teams or at least between power five teams scoring a touchdown on their first seven possessions. Uh, just ridiculous efficiency on Georgia's offense. So if the offense can kind of catch up to where that defense was a year ago, smooth over some of those losses uh, that they had on the defensive side of the ball, then you know Georgia's going to be a lot to contend with as well. Um, and then Ohio State winning a slugfest, I thought that, that was good for them. I think Clemson is, is clearly a step behind uh, those type of teams. I think the Clemson defense is phenomenal. I think the offense is going to be what, what drags them down unless uh, Cade Klubnick ends up being the dude there. But, uh, you know, that's a, a difficult political uh, decision that, that, that Dabo is going to have to make. We, he hasn't always done that correctly as far as his quarterback management and, you know, pulling the player, uh, you know, ripping the bandaid off for when it's time for the next man up to, to really take it on. Did it well with Trevor Lawrence. Didn't do it so well with, with Deshaun Watson. We'll, we'll see how it shakes out with DJU um, and, and Klubnik. And then I think, uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, but is Florida back? I don't think Florida's back. Uh, and quick shout out to Kelly Bryant, by the way, uh, a casualty of that Clemson quarterback carousel for a while there. But no, I, I don't think Florida's back quite yet. I, I think we've we've jumped the gun on teams like Florida, uh, including Florida, I should say, uh, being back a, a number of times over the last few years. So no, I'm not quite ready to go there. Uh, they, they certainly look good against a very, very good Utah team. Um, you know, it, 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 that was one of the most fun games to watch. I, I love Anthony Richardson and no complaints about that. Um, but you got, you got to do it for, you, you have to at least do it for one season before you're back. I don't, I don't think one game can completely resurrect you at this point. I think we've had that conversation about teams like Texas and USC so many times. And in fact, they have never been back uh, to date. Um, so I, I, I'm skeptical to get there with Florida, but monster, monster win for the Gators to begin the year. Huge, uh, you know, as someone who uh, definitely bandied about the idea of U playoff team Utah, uh, that that was a kick to the pants. And uh, I'm not the biggest Florida guy in the world, but you know, I you know, you got to call it what it is. It's an impressive win is. for Florida. Um, you know, Billy Napier first game, you know, pretty pretty good as far as uh, Florida goes. But those are those are the main takeaways. Uh, LSU going to be pretty far away from you know that that 2019 type of uh, dominance. Well, we'll see what happens. I think Brian Kelly, like nobody likes Brian Kelly. I think people are, are a little bit too ready to like pile on him no matter like what. So I don't know. We'll see what, what comes of his uh, tenure uh, down there on the bayou. Always felt like a weird fit to, to begin with. But um, obviously it couldn't have gotten off to a much rougher start than playing the way that they did, than having a chance 
and then blowing it and then having like all the special teams things that, that also fueled, you know, second guessing whether they should have kicked the extra point in the first place. My goodness. Um, so yeah, that, that game was, Oh my God, for, for a Sunday night standalone, just, I mean, I, I loved how bad and strange that game was. All right. So let's look at week two. Like I said, we, we don't have quite as many bangers on the schedule this week. Uh, Alabama, Texas, I think in terms of the programs involved is the very, very clear headliner, but I think there's a feeling that this could be this week's version of Ohio State, Oregon, right? Where you, know, you got Alabama going on the road to DKR in Austin as 20 point favorites uh, against Quinn Ewers and the Longhorns. So we'll start there and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of matriculate our way maybe to some games that we think might be a little closer. I think Alabama covers very comfortably. Um, I, I think that this, this is the type of loss uh, that makes everyone question Steve Sarkeesian in that hire. I think it's the type of loss that uh, makes whoever is signed at Texas maybe think twice about it. Although with NIL now and, and everything that goes into, into recruiting in that sense, maybe the bag is still too good in Austin to, to pass up, even if uh, you know that the product on the field is a little bit less than what it should be. And I think it could also even like, you know, stir some doubts in as to why like Quinn Ewers was rated as like the best uh, high school quarterback ever dating back to like Vince Young. I mean, I think that this is going to be really a brutal uh, loss for Texas and that it's going to be at home. It's going to be like, you know, that that big noon kickoff, everything like that. Okay. I think, you know, Sark having worked for. For Saban, too, Saban's going to like really kind of take it to him. And and I think that Alabama has the horses to do exactly that. I think Bryce Young is just on another level. I think you also have a couple offensive linemen, freshman offensive linemen for Texas trying to hold up against Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. Like yours might get sacked seven, eight times in, in this game. I think it, it could be a romping. I think it could be something like Bama pushing 50. And I think Texas staying under 20. Yeah, it, it kind of has that feel, and you know, you said it at the top of this segment. Um, you know, the, the the biggest thing that it feels like continues to happen year after year is this further separation from the top three or four teams and everybody else. You know, it, it's jarring to see you know a three versus seven matchup, and you know it's a forty five point differential. But that's kind of where we are, you know, in terms of how the recruiting has fallen the last few years. So I'm with you on that. I, I'm certainly I, I'm certainly no, not one to go against Alabama in these situations, especially with Saban, you know, going against uh, one of his former uh, assistant coaches that never seems to end well. Uh, what other lines pique your interest this week? Um, so we, we do have a couple other interesting ones. Uh, Wake versus Vandy, I think it is where this will be maybe the only time this year, you know, there's only going to be a handful of other times where a line jumps the way that it did. But with Sam Hartman got cleared on Tuesday afternoon, this game went from, you know, Van, uh, Wake Forest minus seven to now like, minus 13 and a half that's a huge huge difference the the type of difference in a point spread that can only be made uh by a quarterback either you know going out or coming back Vanderbilt obviously been a pretty nice story I think that um you know that they, they go out they trounce Hawaii the, the first week of the season that they, they kind of get their own spotlight during that they took care of business against Elon uh last weekend that's a really but, good Elon team I mean, yeah, it's in a, a beautiful school to boot, but uh, you know, we're we're looking at a, at a Wake Forest team that I think is going to come in there, and you know, I think two touchdowns is about right. But uh, if if Vanderbilt stays within that number, then all of a sudden, you know, Vanderbilt 
kind of slowly maybe takes that first step towards being something other than a complete doormat uh, in the SEC East. So we'll have to see there. Um, and then UT uh, Tennessee uh, versus Pitt. I really like this matchup. I, I think that they, they two are they're two kind of like, you know, Spider-Man memes of each other in, in a little ways within the SEC and the, and the ACC. Although Pitt obviously had a bit more recent success than Tennessee has, but um, Tennessee on the road, Giving six, I still like them. I'm, I'm really in on this Tennessee team. I think that the experience that they have, the offense that they run, um, it's going to be tough for Pittsburgh to stop. And I think on the other side, it's important to note that I'm very skeptical of Keaton Slovis. Um, I, I just don't think that he's going to end up being the guy uh, that they hoped he was going to be coming, coming over from USC. And then your late night uh, snack, BYU versus Baylor. Those are two really, really good teams going at it. BYU three-point favorites at home. We're going to have to see if BYU can get healthy at the receiver position. Puka Nakua, a little bit banged up. Gunnar Romney missed the game last weekend. Mm -hmm. If one or both of those guys are in action, uh, this is a really nice test to see if Baylor is going to be up to that caliber that we saw a year ago when they won the Big 12, and it's going to be on the road too. Yeah, kind of, kind of a strange matchup there, Baylor and BYU. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's an early season matchup. We get we get USC Stanford in that late window. That'll be the ABC game. We're gonna have Arizona State and Oklahoma State as well. Um, any any interest in any of those Pac-12 games at the end of the at the end of the night? I mean, obviously that you know Oklahoma State, uh, not a Pac-12 team, but that that one will be uh, at their home field. They're minus twelve and a half over Arizona State, and you know USC not not a massive favorite over Stanford. Stanford's always where the traps come, right? You know, like last year, Oregon, um, some people sniffed that out early. It was pretty impressive that, you know, people would say that Stanford is going to be the one that, that beat that Oregon team that, that happened to beat Ohio State. It's like, wow, how did you find that one? But, you know, they did. Um, but I think USC goes into goes into the farm and, and takes care of business. I think that that's a double digit win for them. Stanford might be tough and everything, and that they've got the good ground game, good quarterback, but I, I think that there's just too much on that USC side. So really like USC there. Arizona State, obviously they, they just took on an FCS opponent uh, last week, whereas Oklahoma State played a you know a decent Central Michigan team, and and you know they mostly put them away, and then Central started to storm back just a little bit, made the score respectable. But I, I think that this is a, a pretty good Oklahoma State team versus a probably not very good at the end of the day Arizona State team. So uh, the, the line reflects that, and I'm still willing to, to back the favorite here. I think that Oklahoma State um, goes ahead and wins this one by by closer to two touchdowns, so I like them. But that, that actually yeah, does stand out to me as one of the more fun games on Saturday. We don't get a ton of cross-conference Power 5 matchups this week, but that's one of them, and you know we'll, we'll take it where we can get it. Looking forward to week two of the college football season. And of course, very, very much looking forward to week one of the NFL season. Uh, keep listening with us all throughout the NFL season. We will be coming to you weekly every single Friday afternoon. Uh, again, make sure you're using betmgm.com or the betmgm app. And our promo code is betroto, B-E-T-R-O-T-O. -O. We'll be back next week. Looking forward to a fun weekend of football. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.